Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. Thank you for being with us as we get underway now at 7 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on AM 1420. The answer, it's a Friday. Won't be much of a free-for-all today because we are going to be very heavy on the guest side of things, but they're going to be very good guests. I think you're going to appreciate this. Coming up, and by the way, it is the 19th morning of the 11th month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Coming up on the program in uh, half an hour at 9.35, they had the third of four Senate panel debates, if you will, uh, last night, sponsored by the Ohio Press Network, uh, run by Jack Windsor, moderated by Jack Windsor, and brought to you by a host of Northeast Ohio um, conservative and Republican organizations in uh, for yesterday's event in Strongsville. Again, this was the third of four. The next one and the last one is going to be on the 29th down in Cincinnati. But last night, uh, they got together in Strongsville, and Jack Windsor moderated, and um, I talked with Jack a little bit after the event to get his uh, kind of, uh, you know, pulse on things, what he thought, how it went uh, for each of the candidates, and um, he's going to come on and give us the live recap at 9.35. So I talked to Jack last night. He said, let's do this thing live. I'll tell you everything that went down and everything that I observed, and uh, I cannot wait. I was supposed to be there. Couldn't be there for a variety of reasons. Actually could probably have made some changes to be there, but I, as I told Shannon Burns and as I told Jack Windsor, I did not want to be a distraction in any way, shape, or form by coming in a little bit late after I got back from my... And thank you, by the way. Let me do this. Thank you to the brilliant Peter Kersenow for sitting in for me yesterday and hosting. I always love... First of all, as I've said before, I love having a deep bench, a great bullpen to call on when I cannot be there and I need a great arm to come out of the pen and, and handle things for me. Uh, nobody better than Pete. Nobody better than Pete. It's that simple. Everybody's great. None are better than Pete. And... uh I really appreciate Pete sitting in. I'm sure you enjoyed two hours of Kersenow lectures and discussion uh, because he's just that good. 
So thank you to Peter. Uh, I was out of town, out of state, as a matter of fact, on family issues, family uh, uh, events. I shouldn't say issues as if there's a problem. Family events. So uh, Peter sat in for me, and I certainly appreciate that. Um, now, having said that, um, I couldn't get back last night in time for the start of the event, and so I made a conscious decision. I'd rather have everybody there on that stage so that the people who vote for senator in Ohio can see everybody face-to-face rather than having anybody who is intimidated by my questioning to say I'm not coming. And, of course, the first and foremost person on that list would be um, uh, would be Jane Timken. So I wanted her to be there so that she could be seen and probably exposed by some of the other candidates. And so I didn't go. Um, and I didn't want to show up in the middle of it as we kind of joked around about a little bit because that would have created a distraction that didn't need to be created. This this night was about the voters, and this night, last night, was about the candidates. It's that simple. Not some, uh, some would-be moderator. So that's the way it went down. So I wasn't in town. Pete came in and did the show yesterday. Jack had the great event last night uh, in Strongsville, and he will be with us at 9.35 to recap all of it. And I'm very much looking forward to that in depth. Then coming up at 10.10, Christina Hagen will join us, as she does each and every Friday. She's one of my, fa- uh, one of my favorite commentators uh, working, uh, and she's, uh, she's, she's got a lot of thoughts on the spending bill. Kevin McCarthy set a record last night doing everything he could to delay and perhaps change some minds on the most ridiculous, reckless spending bill in the history of this great republic. So we're going to talk to Christina about that and more. Then at 10.35, we get Tom Holman back. Tom Homan, as you know, is the former acting director of ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. And Tom is here to talk about this just absolute shambles that our southern border is and the fact that there are more migrant caravans forming and marching even as we speak. I don't know how many more this country has to absorb before somebody says, we can't do this anymore. Before somebody says the czar of the border, Kamala Harris, is not up to the job. Moreover, not interested in the job. We're just interested in the root causes of migration. We want to go to other countries and say, why do people want to leave your country? And why do they want to come to the United States? That's what's going to, that's what's going to help control our border issues. Good gravy. Um, if I may... And, and I'll let Tom Holman do this his way at 1035. But the root causes of this migration are no secret. Kamala, let me help you out. People who live in blank hole countries want to get out of the blank hole countries and come to better countries. End of lesson. That's the root cause of migration. They're not fleeing political persecution. They're not fleeing for religious uh, uh, liberties. They're not fleeing for any other reason than the place where they live is crap, and they want to come to a better place to live, which is fine. We open our doors to people who want to come to a better place to live, but we do it through a system of laws, application procedures, vetting, And we let people into a better country that way, not by rushing the border thousands at a time. Root causes do not matter. Root causes are known. What matters is sovereignty, national security. Because the bottom line is, and this is what Tom Holman will tell you time and time again, border security is national security. 
Her job is to seal the border off and stop the illegal crossings, not figure out why all of these people want to come here. Let's go to their countries and find out. I'm tired of the games. Our country is in peril. Tom Homan knows this, and we'll talk to him at 1035. So there you have it. Windsor, uh, Hagen, and Homan. Those are our three guests today, and of course I welcome you before, between, and after those guests. Pick a spot where nobody's on, hit them where they ain't, as we like to say. Before we get started now on the top news of the day, please join us by standing uh, wherever you may be. And I know it sounds silly, but a lot of people do exactly that. If they, they're not being watched. They're not being seen. They aren't do, not doing it for show. They're not doing it to virtue signal. There's no one to virtue signal to. They're standing in their homes by themselves, or maybe their families are, facing a flag. And just joining us as we start this broadcast today. Uh, by reciting our Pledge of Allegiance. Leftists, by the way, don't bother. We know how you feel. Biden voters, supporters of Build Back Broke, supporters of caravans, uh, erasing our border and destroying our national sovereignty, yeah, you go ahead and take a knee. We know what you don't stand for. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all all right my friends kevin mccarthy uh did his level best last night the house minority leader is not necessarily you know the the truest of true conservatives i don't know that he's quite rhino as rhino-y and rhino-esque as his predecessor uh in charge of the republicans in the house paul ryan But last night he did his level best. He broke the record for the longest consecutive speech on the House floor, the record set by the current Speaker, Nancy Pelosi. He spoke for over eight hours last night in an attempt to delay Nancy Pelosi, calling the Build Back Better, which means Build Back Broke, Build Back by Brandon, it, it, uh, to try to delay it from, from receiving the vote that Nancy Pelosi wanted to hold last night. Kevin McCarthy spent over eight hours trying to stop that vote, and he made some very, very strong charges in his eight hours of speaking. Here are just a minute and a half, or is just a minute and a half, of Kevin McCarthy's eight hours, making it very, very clear. Let that sink in. More than 2,000 pages, $5 trillion, twice as big in real dollars as the New Deal was. Let me be clear, never in American history has so much been spent at one time. At one time. Never in American history will so many taxes be raised and so much borrowing be, ne- to be needed to pay for all this reckless spending. I listened to my friend Steny Hoyer earlier. He started his speech by stating this date. Because this is the date he's going to tell his children's children where he spent all that money. Every page of all this new Washington spending will be paid for or borrowed from you, the American hardworking taxpayer. Every page of this new Washington spending supports more waste, more fraud, more abuse, and more corruption. And every page of this new Washington spending shows just how irresponsible and out of touch the Democrats are to the challenges that America faces today. 
Nowhere in 2,000 pages and $5 trillion in spending are measures for more efficiency, better results, or just genuine accountability. This is the single most reckless and irresponsible spending bill in our nation's history. And there's the money line. That's the line that needs to be repeated again and again and again. And I hope every single Republican member of the House repeats that line. And when it gets over to the Senate, I hope that every member of the Senate repeats that line. This is the single most reckless and irresponsible spending bill. This is the single most reckless and irresponsible spending bill. This is the single most reckless and irresponsible spending bill in our nation's history. Amen. And there it is. Amen indeed. There really isn't a second place here. And by the way, the Democrats pushing to vote for this thing anyway just a day after the CBO score came out. And the CBO score proved that all of this nonsense about this not adding anything to the deficit, all of the, hey, you know, $3.5 trillion actually equals zero. And if we cut it down to $1.75 trillion, which doesn't cut any of the spending, it just cuts the number of years they're committing to it. Then, when those years are up, they will say, hey, we've got to replenish, right? We've got to continue. We've got to renew this, right, rather than vote uh, to take those things away. You know as well as I do, once Congress gets their hands on money, they never, ever, ever vote to give it back, particularly if the Congress is controlled by the demon rats. So the reality of the situation is this. They lied to the American people about how much this would cost. The CBO, the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office, proved it, showing that it's going to be close to $500 billion added to the uh, 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 federal deficit. Money that we don't have, that we cannot spend. Money that our children and our grandchildren absolutely cannot afford to have spent. They lied to us and said it'll cost nothing. The CBO said it's going to cost nearly a half a trillion dollars. And oh, by that's just in, again, in the federal deficit. And oh, by the way, Nancy Pelosi said, okay, thanks for that information, CBO. Let's vote. Because she knows she has the four vote majority in the House. And then they're going to roll the dice in trying to flip Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema from nose to yes on the Senate side. That's where we stand with the most reckless, insane, and I can't remember the wording that Kevin McCarthy used. I said we're going to play it over and over again, and it should be repeated, so let's do that. What did he call it again? Are just genuine accountability. Come on. This is the single most reckless and irresponsible spending bill That's in our one. nation's history. Reckless and irresponsible. The most reckless and irresponsible spending bill in our nation's history. Meanwhile... They're trying to drive us into the gutter by destroying and limiting and killing the fossil fuel industry. Also, that we are forced to embrace the Green New Deal. You don't believe me? I've got a story on that next, right here on AM 1420, The Answer. free WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. All right, 923. 
1420, The Answer. Thanks for being with us. Don't forget, we've got uh, Jack Windsor coming up here in about 10 minutes at 935. He's going to tell us everything that went down in Strongsville last night in the um, one-on-one-on-one-on-one-on-one-on-one. I think I, I think I did that six times. Matt Dolan was not there. Got a call from Matt Dolan, a private phone call, by the way, yesterday, uh, telling me that he is more than willing to come on to answer any hard questions that I have, that he really does have a scheduling conflict for yesterday, and that's why he wasn't going to be able to be there. Uh, so, okay, you know, we'll probably end up beginning those one-on-one interviews after all of these um, Senate panels face-to-face are over so that we can kind of see what is said, what challenges were made to the candidates, and how they're dealing with those after the facts. We'll probably start doing those sooner rather than later. Uh, and uh, and we'll ask them. We'll ask them the questions that maybe didn't get asked during the the um, uh, during the panels, and, uh, and we'll ask them things that I think the, the uh, voters of Northeast Ohio want to know before they make a decision. As a matter of fact, that's going to be one of my questions today when you do call. Have you made up your mind yet? And you don't have to tell me who it is if you have. But I was talking to J.D. Vance off the air. I was talking to, no, texting with J.D. Vance, beg pardon. Talking to uh, Josh Mandel off the air. Talking to Matt Dolan off the air. And I mentioned uh, in at least a couple of those conversations, you know, this is a tough, tough decision. I haven't made up my mind yet. I got a lot of people in that race that I really like. I do. I like Josh Mandel a lot. I like Mike Gibbons a lot. I like Bernie Moreno. I like J.D. Vance, too. I mean, you know, in different degrees. I like what J.D., how J.D. comes across. I like J.D. He's a charmer. I think he's very, very smooth. I think he can be very persuasive if we're trying to get, uh, you know, to, to get a very crucial piece of legislation supported in the Senate. I think he can persuade people. He's got a lot of very good skills. There's a lot of good things that Matt Dolan has done at the state level as well. I like a lot of the things I see in a lot of the candidates. I'm not ready to make a decision yet. I'm not ready to announce who I'm voting for yet. So you don't have to either, but I am curious to, see if you, curious to know if you've made your mind up. Do you have your candidate picked out? I want to see them up on the stage against one another more and more and more so that I can kind of figure out how to separate them from one another. I might be leaning in a direction or two right now, but I'm just saying I really am wide open, and I want to know if you are. If you're a Republican voter and you're going to be participating in that primary in about three and a half months, do you already know who you are going to pull that lever for? 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Uh, again, Windsor at 935. Let's go to Charlie, who's in Westlake right now. Hey, Charlie, you're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Thank you for taking my call again. Certainly. Uh, yeah, I, I was at the debate last night. Uh, I've been to three of these now. And hands down, I look at loyalty. I look at who's paid the dues and who's the most conservative. And the one thing that Josh Mandel has is all those, plus he has military experience. Heads and shoulders over the rest of these guys and that's who I, I want i want josh mandel he's paid the dues he's, he knows the stuff and he's sticking and he's a trumper these other guys are maybe trumpers at the most so well i'll tell I you what it. i appreciate yeah i appreciate your your candor on that uh charlie here's what i would say in response and thank you for the phone call i'm not about the paying the dues part this has nothing to do with josh mandel by the way this is a general statement I'm not all about the who has paid their dues part, like I've earned my way up the ladder, worked my way up the ladder, I've, I've, I've been in a lot of elected offices, and this is the next one I want, because you know what that smacks of? It smacks of career politicians. 
I don't like career politicians. I like politicians that come in to do a job to help this country to get out and let somebody else take over, hopefully somebody else with similar visions. But I don't necessarily like career politicians. Now, you might say that's a little bit hypocritical because aren't you for Jim Jordan making sure that he gets back into the House every single two years? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I am. But the pager dues when you're running for a new office part is not a huge thing for me. For me, it is who has, and I'll give you an example, who's the ultimate example of a conservative individual who ran for a high office who did not pay his dues. He had no political experience whatsoever, did not run in lower-level races, did not start out as a, a town councilman, did not work his way to a county commissioner, did not then spend some time as a state senator or a state representative, did not then run for the House, then for the Senate, then for the White House. Nobody, you know, that's a lot of dues paying right there. Who's the ultimate example? You know him as 45. Donald Trump didn't pay his dues. Donald Trump was a celebrity. Donald Trump was a, was a billionaire, uh, a real estate mogul, and a builder, and a game show host. He didn't pay his dues, but he was the right man for the job. So I don't do the dues thing. I just do the part of uh, part I agreed with Charlie about is the most conservative. Yup, uh, an individual who's committed to the America First platform that Donald Trump outlined. Yup, check. Business acumen, economics acumen. That's very important to me. I want to have that. Uh, military experience is great, but you know they're not running for Pentagon chief here. They're not running to be the uh, Secretary of Defense. They're running for Senate. It matters, obviously, and I certainly have all the respect in the world for those who come to a race with with uh, experience of uh, military experience and the and the title of veteran, certainly. But the part about you know paying their dues isn't important to me. Who's got the right chops for the job? Who's not going to be a rhino when they get there? Who's going to back me? Who's going to back my family? Who's going to back my constitution? Who's going to back the rule of law? who is not going to go into uh, the United States Senate to be an activist, to upset the balance of all of those very important things uh, upon which our country was founded. So that's where I am. And the truth of the matter is I see a lot of those qualities in multiple candidates in this Republican primary. A lot of them. That's why I'm not ready to make a call yet. But I am interested in your call. 216-901-0945. 888-281-1110. Jack Windsor going to join me after this newscast to tell us what happened in Strongsville last night at the Senate Republican Forum. Yes, indeed. 9.37 now. Let's dive right into it. The aftermath, a recap of Senate Forum Number 3, hosted, sponsored by the Ohio Press Network. Jack Windsor is the founder of the Ohio Press Network and its executive editor. And Jack Windsor joins us now to talk about what happened in Strongsville last night. Hey, Jack, how are you? Hey, Bob. Good morning. I'm awake but not woke. Uh, it's <laughs> fantastic. And uh, it's an honor to be here with you. Thank you for choosing me, and uh, excited to be with you in the AM 1420 family. 
of course, and uh, it would have been my honor to be with you last night. But we discussed this in some depth. I told everybody on the air as well that there were candidates who were not going to come if they had to answer questions from me. Uh, and uh, I did not want to be a distraction. I wanted uh, the voters of Northeast Ohio to see all of the faces, if they were willing to come, uh, up against one another. And uh, so I wasn't able to be there last night. So now I'm relying on you to be my eyes and my ears to tell me Uh-oh. how this whole thing played out. Now, before we talk about who won or who, who you felt felt fair, better who the audience seemed to uh, respond the most positive to or the most negative to give me this jack windsor this is this was forum number three that you have moderated you had one in versailles mm-hmm. you had one in columbus and uh you got one coming in cincinnati uh at the mm-hmm. end of the month but this was number three how did if it at all differ from uh the other two that you have seen are the are the candidates getting used to one another are they being redundant and repetitive or are we getting are we getting new information that will help voters separate these people that is a fantastic question. And, you know, the number one thing that was different about last night, I believe, was the energy. Uh, we we were actually going to cap attendance at 300, and we leveled it up 100 late in the afternoon yesterday, and it filled up immediately. So we had over 400 people there. And I want you to know, Bob, we had several people afterwards approach us and say, what happened? <laughs> people were not uh, happy that you were not there last night. And that's not on you. I don't mean it that way. But I think everyone understands the complexity of what went on. And, and you were missed last night, so I'm sorry that you weren't with us. Um, but I know that there were a lot of people there who um, are in your corner. And so, uh, you know, the energy was interesting. Uh, I feel like the candidates are, are more relaxed. I think they, they trust this process that we've engaged in now, as you said, three times. And, um, you know, the one thing that we're going to do a little differently in the fourth forum, which is coming up November 29th in Westchester, is we're going to work hard to tease out the differences. One of the things I heard several times last night after the fact was, wow, we have a really good slate of candidates. And I, I came in believing that I was going to vote for one person, and now I'm, I'm, I'm questioning that. So th- there is a lot of similarity. and. We're going to put the uh, higher quality video up later today, and I would encourage people who are on the fence to watch that video and, and to do it with a discerning eye. You get a lot of applause tracks, applause lines, um, but there are some nuances that people are putting out there that when you really listen and read between the lines, uh, you, you can figure out where somebody stands. Um, but I think looking at who did well or who didn't, we may cover that later. But I, I think we're starting to see uh, a, a pattern here of people who are who are maybe pulling away from from the rest of the pack. Okay, let's let's do that. Um, and and let's talk about Jack your analysis of who performed. Um, you know, uh, I don't want to say best, but but who increased their stock last night and who did not. And then I want to talk about what you heard from the people, what you heard from the crowd of 400, 100 over capacity or 100 over the cap anyway. Uh, and I want to hear, you know, the reaction that they gave. But but give me your analysis as you as you break this down. The, in, in fact, let me lead into to it with this. Mandel polling has him up by considerable double-digit leads, number one over number two, J.D. Vance. And then number three, I I think it changes kind of from poll to poll and update to update. I think in the third spot there has been Moreno. third spot other times it has shown Gibbons. Uh, But they're all really, really considerably far behind Moreno, or excuse me, uh, Mandel and Vance. J.D. Vance's polling numbers show him also second to Mandel, but a much closer race uh, down to five or six points, and then Jane Timken somewhere in the middle as well. So that's where polling is. Um, With that in mind, how did those top 
polls, uh, top uh, candidates in the polls perform in the forum? So if, if we're just looking at this, if I was sitting there not as a moderator but as a prospective voter and just gauging the energy and, and listening to the applause, Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think the first three that you mentioned uh, were the ones that garnered the most attention, and and um, and we'll say three or four. Uh, you know, Josh is is Josh, and what I mean by that is he has a very strong position. He tells you who he is, and, and he tells it tells it with um, out apology, and and I think that plays well um, with the crowds that we've been in front of. He did well last night. Um, Bernie did well last night. JB did well last night. Um, and, and Mike did well last night. Um, and, and then you have uh, Mark and uh, Mark Bukita and, and Jane Timken. And frankly, they both did well too. But if I'm, if I'm looking at separation, I think those first four, uh, just from watching them live, I think there's a distinct difference between the reactions from the crowd, uh, with, with those four versus, uh, versus the other two. Um, we're talking with Jack Windsor, the editor-in-chief of the Ohio Press Network. He also happens to be my colleague as a statehouse correspondent for AM 1420, The Answer, uh, which is really great for us. Um, tell me about Josh. Did he play like a front-runner? Because he is the front-runner in virtually all the polls, including those commissioned by his opponents. He's still in the lead. He's got some pretty heavy endorsements. Uh, and did he, you know, a lot of times front-runners won't get down into the mud with challengers thinking it can only hurt me if I get down there and debate hardcore with people who are trying to take a bite out of me. If I stay above the fray, I keep my front-runner status. Uh, how would you analyze his performance from that through that lens? Yeah, great question. So we asked several policy questions, and it might have been uh, the first one uh, where we dove into federalizing the elections, talking about House Resolution 1. And mm-hmm. I think he made the comment that everyone on this stage is probably going to be, you know, pretty close or similar on their answers. But let me tell you where I'm different. And I, this stuck out uh, to me. He said, um, you know, I, I recognize that we're not just fighting Democrats, something along those lines, but we're, we're also fighting for the soul of the conservative movement. Um, and that got quite a reaction from the crowd. And so to your point, I think he recognizes that he's got, you know, if he were to win this, he has a, obviously a general election, but I think he's really trying to parse out right now um, it, it, the difference between a Republican, a Rob Portman, and a conservative, somebody who is unabashedly committed to what the mainstream outlets would call, you know, the extreme right, <laughs> um, which in reality is probably the old Republican Party, because it seems that the Republican Party has moved more to the center and is more moderate. Yeah, so uh, I think he, from that vantage point, um, he he really tried to separate himself from others on the stage. Um, he exudes confidence and, um, you know, it makes no bones about the fact that he's uh, committed to the Judeo-Christian bedrock of America uh, with the Bible and uh, the rule of law with the Constitution, and he said that a couple of times last night. So uh, in terms of being the front runner, um, I don't see him uh, maneuvering differently. I think he's continuing to be who he was in the beginning of the race. I think what's what's changing is you have people like Mike Gibbons, who has invested a lot of money in the race. I think Bernie will eventually. Jane has. And, uh, you know, J.D. starting to. I think that gap naturally is going to close as we get closer to May. It's just about does Josh maintain the lead um, or does somebody overtake him? Uh, and, uh, you know, J.D. Vance has gained some notoriety and name recognition. 
Um, he's also been hit with some really negative commercials. I think it was the, the Club for Growth, the commercials that came out a couple of weeks ago um, that may have set him back a little bit. But i got to tell you, when he has a microphone in his hand and, and he can really identify the issues that are important to conservatives, and he addresses them as well. So I thought he did well last night. Let's talk about J.D. Vance, second, because he is second in most of those surveys that we have been seeing, uh, but also because he's a very interesting person here. He told you and uh, the Ohio Press Network after the first debate or forum in, in Versailles that he was not going to be available for the second, the third, nor the fourth, scheduling conflicts everywhere. Um, I didn't like that, as you know. We talked about that. I told the story on the air that he uh, asked to come on the air with me this week uh, before all of this went down, and I, I declined. I said, if you're not going to stand there before the rest of your, your opponents in front of the Northeast Ohio voters, you're not going to get a friendly one-on-one with me. you got to be there. So I don't know why, but he changed his schedule, uh, whatever it was, and he came last night. And again, as the second guy in most of those surveys, I'm interested in how he was did that come up, by the way, the changing of schedules at all? And, uh, and how did he perform, and how was he, um, how was he treated by the other candidates? I'm curious. So, you know, it's a really interesting camaraderie that, that these folks have. <laughs> I will start by saying that, uh, being backstage with them, uh, there really is a lot of mutual respect. And they'll take some shots at each other on stage. They'll even joke backstage. Um, but there's, uh, I don't know how to say it, there's, much more mutual respect than, than you might anticipate. And, uh, you know, uh, JD was received well, um, by everyone else. And I think that he did well last night. It just, that's kind of a generic way to, you know, assess him. But he talked about some really hot button issues like Merrick Garland and is he going to be investigated? And as uh, someone that would be in the Senate, um, I believe he mentioned that that's, some, that's a power that they should take seriously. That if, if Merrick Garland lied before Congress, that's an issue and he should be prosecuted. No um, and talked about critical race theory, um, made no bones about abortion and how taxpayer dollars, because we asked about um, judicial appointments, and he said, you know, there's no way that if there's a judge that um, came before us that we were considering – um, that I would ever support somebody who used taxpayer dollars to, to take a life. Um, and so some of the things that he's saying are really resonating. I think the challenge that J.D. has, and the bugaboo for him, is do people believe what he's saying? Um, and I asked each, we asked each candidate, the candidate-specific question last night, a hard question, and that was my question for J.D. Um, you know, he says that he's an Ohio battler. He says that he's able to take on big tech. But I pointed out the fact that many of his opponents say he spends a lot of time on the the the, the coasts and in Tucker Carlson's studio, um, but maybe is a little bit disconnected from Ohioans, and that he's funded by over ten million dollars with big tech money. Mm-hmm. Um, and he answered that question. I would I would recommend people get on and, and look at the video. Did uh, did, did, in, did did last night or in any in any of the three so far that you've moderated, Jack? Did the Trump question come up? The question of past comments, you know, the Club for Growth has that explosive ad out reminding everybody of what J.D. Vance once said or said for a period of about a year and a half. It was pretty consistent about being against Trump and against Trump voters. And I've talked to him about that. He has, he has done a mea culpa to me and said, look, I was wrong. And I and I had a very different view then than I do now. Uh, I have clarified my views on that. Is that still an issue in this campaign when the other candidates talk about him? It's an issue that, uh, you know, CNN has made it an issue. They were there last night, and uh, they released a video on, on J.D. Vance, and um, and they continue to make it an issue that he made those statements and 
now is trying to, to reverse course. And that was not mentioned. Uh, we did not get to that last okay. night. We pared down some of our questions. We will in the fourth forum. Um, because there are some candidates, you know, uh, Jane Timken, for example, is um, is very big on talking about Trump's America First agenda and alignment with that. And so um, that's going to be an inevitable topic that we really parse out in, in the fourth forum. Well, unless I'm there, because uh, we all know the, the story. That, <laughs> no, and, and look, I'm, I, this needs to be known. I wasn't there last night primarily, you know, 75 to, to, to 85% of the reason why is because if I was there, James Tim, Timken wouldn't be there. I want her on that stage. I want her to be con- compared and contrasted to the other candidates, and I want her to, quite frankly, be exposed. And the fact that she wouldn't come and if I was there and answer my questions about her supposed, you know, America First Trumpian uh, campaign and career and turn as uh, uh, chair of the uh, of the ORP, um, you know, that that does expose her, I think, somewhat. Um, she would not have been on that stage had I been there asking questions, and I think everybody who's going to vote needs to know that. Um, having said that, she got there, because I wasn't going to be there. I figure she would have turned heel if she'd have seen me show up at the last second. Uh, how'd she do? You know, um, she did well, um, but I think if we're... Man, this is really hard for me. Define well, how do you do that? Tape. It's kind of like it's kind of like a football coach, right? You, you hear him after the game in the press, and like, oh, we need to look at the film, and that's actually what I was in the process of doing this morning. I still have quite a bit to go, um, but look, every <laughs> here's the feedback that we received. Everyone on that stage did well, and and Jane did well. Jane has you know, talking points as it relates, just like everyone else does, regarding America First, regarding um, uh, energy independence, regarding the border wall. Um, and, and those things resonate with people. Um, but how would I, how would I grade everybody? I think there were, there were four people that were separated last night and I would say they were. No, no, no. Hold on. Hold off on that. Hold off on that. I don't want you to do that just yet, Jackie. Here's what I want to do. I got to take a time out here. It's 9.52. Yeah. Uh, let me take this short break. I want to come back and I want to ask you specifically about Gibbons and Marino before we do the whole, you know, McGillow like you were just about to do now. Because, um, I saw on social media a lot of people felt like Mike Gibbons really, really stood out among this group and did so in Columbus as well. You were there for both. So I want to get your evaluation of him individually before we do the collective to wrap it up. So let's continue with Jack Windsor, the uh, editor-in-chief of the Ohio Press Network, coming right back on AM 1420. Okay, I've got four minutes left. I want to spend this with Jack Windsor of the uh, Ohio Press Network, who moderated last night's third debate forum. Uh, in uh, Strongsville. Jack, like I said, I'm hearing a lot of good things, and maybe these are just from Gibbons supporters. I don't know if they are predisposed mm-hmm. to like Mike or not, but I keep hearing that Mike Gibbons is standing out in these events. Mm-hmm. What's your analysis there? I would agree. I think that he's, he's picked up steam throughout this t- entire process. Um, he, he comes across as extremely steady. I had a chance to interview him um, earlier this year, and the question then was, are you going to run for governor or are you going to run for the U.S. Senate? And he was very clear about running for Senate and why he was doing it. And he, he said this last night, I think it resonated. He said he spent his career negotiating deals. And, you know, he's, he's the founder of one of the, uh, largest, 
banks in, in the United States, um, uh, investment banks in the United States. And so he really does have that approach. That is, I mean, I'll give you an example. When we talked about um, the criteria for judicial appointments and, you know, the issue of abortion, um, you know, he, he hit it head on. He said, you know, I would also talk to my Democrat colleagues, he said, because there are a lot of Democrats who actually value life. And so, you know, we can't overlook that step. We have to we have to make sure that we're negotiating with everybody at the table. And, you know, it's those small nuances that you go, okay, this guy has a penchant for negotiating and influencing people one-on-one. And, uh, and, and I think that in his mind and, and voters who support him, in their minds, that would make him an effective senator. So I, I would agree he's picked up steam and he has stood out um, at the forums. Give me give me sixty seconds on Bernie Moreno on what you've seen there as well. You mentioned something about him not really spending a lot of money on this campaign so far, but you expect him to. What did you see and hear from him last night? I see a guy who um, gets a lot of applause tracks and and not cheap ones. Um, you know, he's he's somebody that will take the gloves off and take some shots. He took a shot at Dolan last night. Took a shot at Mandel last night. Um, and does it in an you know in, in kind of a, a funny way, um, but you know Bernie has a charisma to him that I think um, you can sense, and I think people at these forums are attracted to. Uh, he's actually an immigrant, came from Colombia, so his story about the bedrock of America and why it's important to fight for it, uh, I think, is unique, and it's one that he tells. And in, only he can tell it. I can't do it justice. Sure. But um, whenever he's in a room. He garners attention, and he's you know, the guy that will stay late and, and talk to prospective voters, and I think people really appreciate that. Um, I, I think right now his big um, room for improvement would be name recognition and uh, you know getting in front of other Ohioans, but he's very well received and has been at all the forums. All right, Jack Windsor, give me 60 seconds now to wrap this up. You started to say that four people have kind of separated themselves from the pack a little bit, and those four are? <laughs> Uh, I would say at this point, and it's subject to change, um, I would say uh, Josh Mandel, uh, Mike Gibbons, J.D. Vance, and Bernie Moreno. Um, And are those in any particular order, or are we just kind of lumping them together as four? You know, it's it's really hard because I, I, I take the strategic look of how this will look in November, December, and January, and I think it's a different race then. Um, but I think that they're all relatively close. You know, uh, Josh has huge name recognition across the state because he's held public or statewide office twice. And so I think if you're his campaign, you're figuring out, okay, what is what is his full upside? And then if you're somebody like, say, um, you know, Mike Gibbons and, and, and Bernie Moreno, it's kind of the same thing, right? Like, how do we get the name recognition and get positive name recognition with that? And I think J.D. has kind of an inherent advantage. Um, because he's playing in that national market. He is a friend of Tucker Carlson, and Republicans like Tucker Carlson. So, um, you know, every, I, it's going to be a tough race. I, I would not want to predict this race. Last thing. Um, I don't even know any of the other candidates on the Democrat side other than Tim Ryan, who is widely mm-hmm. expected to be the guy. Mm-hmm. If you're Tim Ryan, Jack Windsor, and I'm going to go a little long here and give you another 60 here to wrap this up. If you're Tim Ryan and you're watching this play out on this side, who are you most afraid of? Ooh, um, that is a fantastic question. Uh, I, I think the person, mm, man, 
that's a really tough one, Bob. You you caught me off guard. Not many people <laughs> catch me off guard. Well, that's okay. I, you don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to answer. It's something. Let's think about. Let's analyze. I don't think it deserves really just sixty seconds. It deserves a a discussion segment or two. So, but I'm kind of curious. Me, you know, it's one thing to say this is who we think looks the best for the Republicans. It's another thing to say this is the person best positioned to beat Tim Ryan, which is very very yeah. important. Well, look, here, here's the thing, right? Beat, beat him in a debate or beat him at the polls. At the polls. Winning, the, winning the seat. Different things. Winning the yeah. seat. That's what I mean when I say afraid of. Um, you know, I think it's going to come down to this, whoever raises the most money. And here's a question that I think everyone should answer at the next forum. As, as one or two people become, you know, clear uh, winners, if you will, um, does the party start to consolidate behind that person? Uh, in order to get him over the finish line in a general election. And I think that makes a big difference. I think, frankly, I think anyone anyone could beat Tim Ryan, because I think Ohioans recognize that you have a Democrat in in the other seat, and I think it's going to be really hard to flip this seat um, uh, for Democrats. Fair enough. Jack Windsor moderated the event as he has all three of the uh, forums so far. He's got one more to go on the 29th in Cincinnati. Also, of course, the uh, uh, editor-in-chief of the Ohio Press Network, which is uh, responsible for all these forums. Jack, it's great work you're doing for the voters to really help them separate these candidates out from one another. We really appreciate you doing it, and I, of course, appreciate you joining me. Thanks, Bob. God bless you. Thank you, All right, that's Jack Windsor. It's uh, news time now at 10.02. We'll come back with Christina Hagen, AM 1420, The Answer. 